Hi, this is Money Honestly. I'm Jana Heron, and joining us today is Dara Singh, a reporter on my team at Yahoo Money and Cache. We'll be talking about how many Americans are struggling to make rent payments or mortgage payments and possibly face eviction. Hi, Dara. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jana. So, Dara, let's talk a little bit about evictions, what homeowners and renters are facing. But let's start at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, At that time this spring, what kind of protections were put in place for renters and homeowners at that time who were struggling to make their rent or mortgage? Right. So, you know, when May 27th was around a couple months back, through the CARES Act, there was actually a moratorium on for those who had a federally backed mortgage, let's say it was backed by any one of the government agencies, Freddie or Fannie Mae, for 120 days, if you had this type of property, you could defer your mortgage payments. Now, the thing is that this was 120 days at a time, and this also covered renters who were living in those properties backed by these um, agencies. Now, this was March 27th, and it just so happened that at the end of July, this expired, leaving leaving 30 to 40 million people at risk of eviction in December. So this was the past situation. Okay. So, and so it seems like the government acted pretty quickly back then. I mean, the end of March, that's pretty quickly to say, okay, you don't have to pay your mortgage payment. Um, and that's really helpful. So, but you said this has expired. So what is happened since? Well, between, so what has happened since was um, after July, there were a few months where, you know, people were getting evicted and it was a huge concern because states besides um, the national moratoriums that were in place that expired, you know, states also enacted their own individual moratoriums. And then the sad thing is we saw many of those state moratoriums expire. So just, you know, some states that really stand out, you know, Alabama, their order expired June 1st, 2020, um, you know, and just so many places had people with nowhere to go. And for instance, luckily, there are some states like Connecticut until October 1st, 2020, but you had millions and millions of people who had nowhere to go. And so fortunately, According President Trump in um, mid-August, he announced some type of executive order that would, you know, gave authority to the CDC, gave authority to HUD to find solutions to see if there was a need to put back this eviction moratorium. But we didn't hear a response, an actual response from any of these agencies until weeks later. So, so many people were being evicted. And also this came at the same time when this these the federal moratorium expired. Other things were happening. So like people who were jobless, for example, and got that extra six hundred dollars in unemployment benefits under the CARES Act, that also expired at the end of July. So you have kind of like all these things happening at once where you have people who are not protected from not being able to pay their rent and at the same time they're gonna get less money per week than they did before, which may have been helping them, right? Yeah, and the the even sadder thing too is that alongside this, you know, 
a moratorium is only going to stop, um, you know, defer your rental payments, but at one point you're still going to have to pay all that. Well, for those who are seeking rental assistance, it's pretty insane. You know, the CARES Act provided more than $160 billion to state and local governments. And if we can be honest, within the first day that some of these states and local governments got this funding, it was dried out. From all the experts I've talked to, um, like city, like the city of Houston, within the first 90 minutes that funding was available, it was out. The doors were closed. And since then, there hasn't been any additional funding. And so this is the kind of funding that renters would get if they're, like you said, if they take advantage of a moratorium and you said this only defers the payments. So I can stop paying, say, in um, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. And then um, in October, I need to pay October's rent, but potentially also have to pay all those other rents that I skipped? Yes, that is so true. And even with the current, um, you know, even with the current, the President Trump's administration used CDC authority recently to say that in the broadest sense possible, evictions are deferred until December 31st, while the previous um, provisions under the CARE Act, CARES Act were just for those properties backed by federal agencies with mortgage backed by federal agencies. This is for really any type of rental, um, you know, that you can find. And so the only thing with this is you have until December 31st to kind of, you know, get off the hook. But when January 1st comes around, you're expected to owe a huge lump sum. Wow. And so you said one of the ways that renters could find help to deal with this huge lump sum is this rental assistance. But that funding has pretty much run dry. Yes, and a great way to even check if you're, you know where in your state you can find this funding is you can go to the National Low Income Housing Coalition's website. They have a really comprehensive table there and it lists um, for different states. Like even with New Jersey, it is pretty clear that even in states really nearby to us that the funding dried up really quick, but you see states like New Jersey opening up a second round of funding right now. Okay. Is there anything else that renters can do? And you said that President Trump had directed some agencies to try to figure out something to do to help people who are facing eviction. And did something eventually get done? Yes, something did eventually get done, and that is a declaration form that can be found on the CDC's website. Basically, what it is that if you prove certain criteria, which I'll go into, if you prove that you know you qualify with these certain criteria, you can file your rent um, deferral form from the CDC, and you'll have you know you don't have to pay rent until December thirty first, but. It's not that simple. There are some tricky points here. For instance, you need to be making, if you're a sole tax filer, you need to make, be making $99,000 or less. If you're filing with, let's say, a spouse, both of you guys combined need to make less than $198,000. Anyone who receives a coronavirus stimulus check who has received one, you also qualify for this. And then also, you have to show proof that you have tried to obtain um, government rental assistance and kind of declare it on the form. So I'm just thinking this could be a tricky scenario with, 
you know, a lot of this rental assistance being dried up. Um, hopefully, you know, you'll still be able to declare that. So, yeah, so that's that. Um, but the form, I've talked to some experts and the form does say it doesn't prevent all types of evictions, right? So let's say, you know, you and your landlord aren't on the right, aren't on the best terms where you're, you know, the landlord's accusing you of a crime, of things of that nature, then you can also be evicted. So it also, there are some loopholes there. So they have to make this declaration on this form. And what happens if you accidentally don't put all the information? You um, Not that you lie. I don't think anybody would intentionally lie on these kinds of forms. Um, or at least I hope not. But you may forget stuff. You may be not understanding exactly what you need to do. Is there some kind of um, punishment if your form is not 100% accurate? Yep. Yes, there is some punishment and it's a little scary. So so basically you're required to pay rent, but you can also, um, the declaration, It's this is what exact word from word here, it's saying this declaration is sworn testimony, meaning you can be prosecuted, go to jail, or pay a fine if you lie, mislead, or omit important information. So let's say you forget something that's very important. Well, you can be facing some legal repercussions. Wow. So do you think that might keep people from wanting to actually use this form? Yes. I talked to, you know, Danielle Yentel of the National Housing Low Income Coalition, and she had said that it's highly likely that people are going to be scared, um, especially some some people might be scared from even their landlord um, knowing that they want to file for rental assistance and just avoid the form altogether. She says more should have been done to provide ease. So let's take it from the other side, too, because it's not just, um, you know, the renters um, that that are at that are struggling. Right. I mean, it's also a lot of landlords are not necessarily huge corporations. Um, some people, you know, they're mom and pop owners. They have an extra property or two. This helps to pay their bills when they get those um, payments from their renters in. And so how does this affect them? Right. Well, a lot of what I did was I actually talked to the National Multifamily Housing Council. They're a trade organization that represents many of these mom and pop uh, landlords here who probably have a building with only four units. And they were saying that, You know, they had a very, in a way, a compassionate stance, too, towards renters, but they said that there needs to be something more. There needs to be like a hundred billion dollar aid package, which, um, you know, if you if you've been following like Maxine Waters and Democrats, you know, that's really what the push is for another hundred billion dollar aid package. And even Danielle Yentl's on board with this. And their exact words were the CDC moratorium is a stopgap measure and not a real solution. So it's jeopardizing the stability of housing providers and all other costs. So that $100 billion aid package amounting to maybe 7 to $12 billion a month would really help both landlords and renters. And um, yeah. That's interesting. And have you talked to any um, actual renters who are worried about losing their home? I actually did talk to someone um, who was being evicted from her home, but this was a case scenario where the landlord had not only harassed her from, you know, leaving her home, they also shut off the utilities illegally. 
And so, and she had just lost her service job. And so she was scrambling for a way out. And we did a story with her on Yahoo Money. But it's just, there's some very extreme scenarios here. Um, A lot of states, their individual moratoriums are expiring. And then they also have protections for utilities. Those are expiring. So um, people are in a bit of a, you know, troubling situation here. Oh, can you tell me a little bit? More about the utilities. I mean, you said that that woman had her utilities shut off. Um, you know, that's obviously very much part of your home. Like if you have a home, but you, can't, you don't have electricity or you don't have heating, it's not as safe of a home. So even if you're there, not evicted, um, you're still facing not a great situation. Yes. So fortunately, there are some outlets that I've researched before, like Con Edison, And basically, they're saying that, hey, we won't tag on late fees to you, but you do need to give us a call so we can work through the situation together. So if you're listening to this and you're in a situation where you need some assistance, um, please don't take it for granted and actually call in and ask your service provider what you can do. And the key word you really want to mention is coronavirus-related hardship. Seems simple, but if you say that, it it opens the door for other relief. And if you already have it shut down, also just give them a call and talk talk to them about what's happening? Yes, you can do that. You can also seek a lawyer. There are a variety of pro bono services. The woman that I had talked to was being evicted from her home, whose landlord was sending her not only harassing, you know, text messages, but, you know, just treating her very unfairly. She actually reached out to a lawyer who was able to help her um, at an affordable price range. Okay, that's good advice. So the other thing I wanted to bring up to you, and this is might be related to the whole eviction, is that you also wrote a story recently about how a lot of adults under 30 are now living with parents. And potentially one of those reasons could be that they can't afford their home anymore or their rent or they're trying to cut down on their expenses. Yeah, so we saw that more than half of adults under 30, we're talking 52%, were living with one or both of their parents. And that's really saying something, that's like 47% up compared to February. And it's just pointing to a trend that was very similar to the Great um, Depression. You know, towards when the Great Depression happened, this was the last time we saw a peak as high as this. Um yeah, and honestly, it's, it's it's kind of a combined reason, too. You have people who can't afford to pay their rent, but then you also have children who college is closed, um, you know, young adults who are even in college, their college is closed. So that number is kind of factoring all that into it. That's interesting. All right, so that that may or may not be part of the reason or a way people might be avoiding eviction. Um, so... Do you expect there to be any more um, funding or any other um, steps towards helping people besides what's been done already? Yes, I definitely think so. Um, You have so many organizations ranging from the National Housing Law Project who've sent letters to HUD, the CDC, you know, um, the Department of Agriculture, who, believe it or not, they also have some... um, aid there for people struggling with evictions. You have repeated letters sent to the White House and all these organizations, like I said, 
National Housing Law Project. You have basically the National Multifamily Housing Council. Everyone's really pushing for that extra $100 billion. And, um, you know, we saw Maxine Waters. It's, it's bound to happen, in my opinion. So we can really hopefully expect that before December. And just say you are somebody who's struggling to meet your payments, whether it's your rent payment or your mortgage payment. What advice do you have for them, Dara? I think my biggest advice would be to first, first, make sure there's many different layers to this. First, you have to, like I said, you should go to the website um, from Danielle Yentl's organization, the national, the NHLIHC, and really look at, have you looked at the local, your local government, what aid they have? And if you've opted for that, then you should go to see what state level aid you have. If you see the table, you see that multiple states actually have three, four sources. Um, so it's really important to tap into that. And then, and then obviously I would call your individual, um, you know, bank, like if you're, let's say you're a homeowner now where you want to um, defer your mortgage payment, it's really important for you to contact your individual bank and use specifically say you have a coronavirus related hardship. And then if you're a renter, you shouldn't keep your landlord in, in the dark about this, right? No. No, for sure not. I think the worst thing you can do is just a lack of transparency um, and com you know lack of communication. We did a piece earlier, I believe it was for Cache, where all the experts that talked that talked to us told us you really need to talk to your landlord, however scary they seem to you, um, and just establish that. And it's possible that like one of the, it might not be just the difference between paying your rent or not paying your rent. You might be able to negotiate like a lower rent, at least for right now, right? Is that something that a landlord would consider? Yes. Yes, that's so true. And in fact, um, one of the bullet points for actually the declaration form is to say that you must, you know, you must have actually like tried your best to kind of pay whatever you can right now. And I think my my big guess is um, when January first rolls around, some landlords might be okay with you, you know, paying smaller lump sums rather than the full amount you missed. Oh, of your like deferred amount, you might not have to pay it all at once. They might yeah. give you like almost an installment plan or something. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Oh, and I'm so happy we brought this up because one crucial factor that you do have to look out for is late fees are still going to apply. So this moratorium does not excuse late fees. So if you're calculating how much you're going to have to owe back, you should really take late fees into account. Oh, that's a, that's kind of a bummer, <laughs> yeah. but that's good advice, Dara, for um, anybody who's struggling with their, their housing costs. Um, so thank you so much, Dara, for being with us money honestly today and thanks for everyone listening head over to apple podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review we'll see you next week 